You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast with your host, Melody Spencer, a show where female entrepreneurs get radically honest about life and business. Today's episode is sponsored by Swiftly Social Digital Marketing. Swiftly Social helps people create a heart-centered digital marketing and Facebook ads strategy that gets you results. For a free video tutorial on how to grow your Facebook following by 10,000 or more, visit swiftlysocial.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. I'm your host, Melody Spencer, and I am so excited to have Lisa Sansom here today. Lisa uh, owns LVS Consulting, a boutique consulting firm that helps to build positive organizations in these roles. So I met Lisa through Fem City, and she is an amazing light to the business community, and I'm so excited to have her here. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah. Can you tell everybody a little bit about you and what you do? So I do a whole bunch of really fun things. I do leadership coaching. I do organizational development consulting. And that's about helping leaders be better leaders. It's about helping teams be better teams. It's about helping workplaces be good places to work. Because I firmly believe that if we're going to spend about half of our waking hours at work, it should be enjoyable. It should be productive. It should be meaningful. And workplaces aren't always set up to optimize that. So Mm -hmm. I help workplaces get there. That's so great. It's so true. You know, if you aren't going to work for yourself, you need to make sure your work environment is fun, is challenging, is not a place you dread going. And that sounds like what you do, which is awesome. Yeah, I have a lot of fun with it. Work with some really, really amazing clients. And I get to see a whole bunch of different workplaces, which is interesting because then you can cross pollinate from what's working in one place to what's working in another. Even though they're very different industries, you wouldn't think it would work. But people tend to have some of the same basic needs and preferences. And, you know, respect, for example, just transcends all workplaces. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of fun. That's great. So how did you get into doing what you're doing? I am what I call an accidental entrepreneur. (laughs) About, oh boy, about 18 years ago, I guess, I started a new job in a city of about a million people and was having a great time doing organizational development in this organization. They were very forward thinking. I had a great boss who was an amazing mentor. It was fabulous. And then about four years after that, um, we ended up moving from my husband's career to a town that was about a tenth of the size. And as you can imagine, the employment prospects for someone in my field of work were not as great. Mm -hmm. Organizational development tends to get done at larger companies and head offices, and this smaller town did not have a lot of those. I also had a young family at the time, so traveling long distances was not something I was willing to entertain. And so I started my own business. My employer, um, my former employer, they were interested in doing some contract work with me, which was great, a huge vote of support for the work that I do and the value I had been adding. But in order to do that contract work, I needed to have a company that they could 
bill. And so um, I just kind of created my company and then it has lasted for 14 years now, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. From somebody who thought she would never, ever work for herself. When I did my MBA work, I took a class in entrepreneurship and I took it for all the wrong reasons. I had a friend who talked me into it and it was an elective and I really, you know, the only thing I learned from it is I should never be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Then I have had my own business for 14 years. So what did I know? (laughs) Yeah. So how have you seen the landscape change? You know, 14 years, that's a long time. What does it feel like now versus when you first started, you know, with the whole online coaching and consulting world, does it feel totally different? There are a whole bunch of things that have changed. So one of the things that I've noticed that has changed is people understand what leadership coaching is now. Mm -hmm. When I started leadership coaching, we're going back about 12 years. I was explaining to people what coaching was and people would ask me, what do you do? And I would say, I'm a leadership coach. And they would say, oh, that's really cool. What sport? And (laughs) it's not a sport. And there were all sorts of sarcastic articles coming out at the time about coaches being your own personal paid cheerleader or your paid friend. And we know that's not what coaching is. Mm -hmm. The world has become much more educated about what coaching is and the value that good coaches bring. So that has been phenomenal. The other trend that I've seen, I have my Master of Applied Positive Psychology. I did that. I graduated in 2010 from the University of Pennsylvania. And again, at the time, I was doing a lot of education about what is applied positive psychology. And people would say, what do you do? And I would say, I work in the field of positive psychology. And people would say, oh, like instead of negative psychology? And so I would explain what positive psychology is. And now here we are, eight years since I've graduated, a lot more of the world has become educated about what positive psychology is and this research basis behind flourishing and thriving and looking at the positive deviance and how we learn from that. So that field has just grown enormously. And then the third thing, like you said, is this whole online world. I mean, I did start working back for my former employer in 2004. I wanted to be a virtual employee. They weren't Mm -hmm. quite ready for that. But all of the infrastructure was set. But companies were very slow to come up with their policies on that. And now I have clients I have never met. Mm -hmm. I probably never will meet. They're in Europe. They're in Africa. They're in Australia. They are in radically different time zones and places around the world. What they have in common is that they are self-aware leaders who want to have a more positive impact on themselves and on the people around them. And they're working with me to do that. And it's just you know, so surprising. Some of them, I've never even seen their face. You know, their internet connection is not solid enough or stable enough that we can do video conferencing. So we're doing a lot of phone calls or working over various online platforms. 
and they're still deriving tremendous benefit out of our work together. And I'm just floored because when I started doing my coaching certification, I thought that it had to be face to face. And I was proven completely wrong on that one too. I am happy to say. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I have a similar experience in that Mm. so many of my clients are not you know, I don't have any local clients. All my clients are around the world or in different states or, yeah. So it's really interesting that we can flourish in a world where our clients are literally oceans away. It's so- we are- We are so fortunate to be able to be at this time of these technologies and these opportunities. It is truly amazing. Yeah, because I think when I was growing up, I never thought you know, that I would be doing something like this or that my clients would be all around the world. I thought I would be at a desk job my whole life. So it's just crazy that those kind of opportunities are available to people now and that you can make somebody like you can make it work. It's so great. It's, it's a lot of fun. And Again, like I said, I never thought I was going to have my own business, but with a young family at the time, it really introduced that flexibility. You know, if I have somebody in a different time zone and the time that they want to connect ends up being nine o'clock at night, my time, that's fine. I can do that for them. So it's just, it's just wonderful to be able to offer those services that way. Mm, Yeah, that's so true. So As an entrepreneur, how do you kind of motivate yourself to keep going when you have those bad days? I'm sure that you have, you know, hard days where you're like, oh, I'll just go get a regular job. (laughs) This is too much. How do you kind of motivate yourself and keep yourself going? Oh, no, I never have bad days. You you (laughs) must be thinking of someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, of course, we have those bad moments. And Again, my field of applied positive psychology, I learned a lot about resilience and motivation, and that's part of what I work with my clients on. I deliver workshops on helping people be more resilient and helping people tap into their intrinsic motivation. And so I have to drink my own Kool-Aid because it's research-based and it works. Mm -hmm. So just being able to sit down with myself and really assess the stories I am telling myself about what is going on. You know, is it that I really can't do this or I just don't want to do it right now? Sometimes the timing is bad. Sometimes I'm just in a slump and I really do need to go and do something else because that's what's good for my brain. I have been working so intently on some conscious activity for a long period of time. My brain needs a break. It needs refueling. It needs exercise. It needs movement. It needs distraction. I get amazing ideas, washing the dishes or going for a walk. You know, so sometimes it just really is I need to change activities. And then sometimes I find that um, this is true for a lot of my clients as well. We tend to think we have to do it all ourselves. And so part of that resilience and motivation is picking my head up out of my little self-centered me here now world Mm -hmm. and thinking, who else could help me with this? Who has the skills? Who has the knowledge? Who is inspirational to me? Where can I reach out to get myself some of that support? And through my coaching world, through my positive psychology world, I have amazing, amazing colleagues and connections and friends. And I know I can reach out to any of them at any time. And they do the same when they need motivation or when they need ideas. 
Um, so that is really helpful as well. And then just this notion that this too will pass. This is icky right now. There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger meaning. There's a bigger purpose that I'm tapping into. And like Winston Churchill said, when you are going through hell, keep going. Mm. And so you just keep on pushing through. I tell myself it builds character. Yeah, it does. So what have been the biggest obstacles that you've faced as an entrepreneur? I think the biggest obstacle, as I'm going to say as a solopreneur, because I do most of my work on my own, I do occasionally collaborate with other people to deliver conferences or workshops or things like that, but a lot of it is on my own, and it comes down to that time and energy management. I am either doing the work or I am out there marketing and making new connections. And as one person, you can't really do both at the same time. I mean, sometimes it's very happy when you do the same thing, when you do them both at the same time. So I gave a workshop a couple of weeks ago, and I got three new contracts out of that one workshop. That was phenomenal because I was able to deliver my services and market and develop relationships at the same time. But usually it's one or the other. And so you fill your pipeline, deliver the services, then the pipeline dries up, and now you're in a marketing cycle. And it's just never knowing, being able to switch on a dime. Um, those have been some of the biggest challenges mm -hmm. I would say that I've had. I've learned, you know, over 14 years, you learn this is just what happens. And you learn that sometimes the sales cycle is really low. I'm selling into a lot of businesses. I do have individual clients, but I sell into a lot of businesses. It can take them a year or more to approve my proposals because you've got to get in on the right funding cycle. You have to have the right meetings with the right people. You have to put together all the right proposals, which get tweaked and reviewed. And it can take a long time. And at first I thought, oh, this is easy. Put in a proposal. Someone says yes. And two weeks later, you're delivering a workshop. So there's been a lot of learning along the way about how all that works. Hmm. Yeah, even for, you know, I don't do what you do, but I've had similar experiences where, yeah, it, it can be a longer cycle than you think. It can take more time than you think. You know, in my, in my mind, it's like, oh, okay. You know, I, I talk to you, we decide to work together, we start working together. Yes. But people need more time. People need to submit things and talk about things and look over numbers. And, you know, you kind of just have to get over that hump and say, all right, well, it's going to be a slow month. Yeah. Um, and sometimes clients disappear. They kind oh, of ghost you. And that happens to me so often. <laughs> <laughs> and you pour your heart into this 10-page proposal and you spend two hours talking with them because I customize everything for my clients. Mm -hmm. I draw on a certain number of resources, which I've created over the years, but everything is customized because I'm not going to deliver the same thing in a healthcare environment that I am in a manufacturing environment, for example. you got to change mm -hmm. the language and the examples and so on. So you pour your heart into this 10-page proposal. You spend time talking with them about your ideal audience and what's this program going to look like and who's going to be there and what are your goals. And you meet with the CEO and then nothing. You know, just mm -hmm. crickets. And so, again, I've learned not to take that personally. You never know when it's going to come back. I set myself a rule of I will follow up three times, usually an email, a phone call, and then another email. And if I don't hear back, oh, well, 
you know, just they might come back six to eight months later when they're in a new budget year. They might be undergoing some leadership changes that I just don't know about. It could be that the person I was talking with went on to another position somewhere else. Like, oh, well, quite often it actually has nothing to do with me. And there's no point sitting there and dwelling on it. Just, okay, move on. Next opportunity. Here we go. Yeah, that's a lesson I've been trying to learn with, say, criticism online or people ghosting you. Usually it's not about me. Yeah. We're so self-centered as entrepreneurs and just people that we think, oh, I must have done something or I must have offended them or they must not want to work with me. Usually it's not about us. And I have had to learn that over and over again. I still get a little annoyed when people ghost me because, the, again, like you said, you're putting all that time and effort and your heart into it. But, you know, people are people and sometimes they just can't tell you thanks but no thanks. Yeah. And like you said, it's it's more about them than it is about you. And I agree. It would be respectful if someone could just say, no, we're not moving forward on this at this time. There's no appetite for it. The budget has changed. The priorities have shifted. We didn't like your proposal, you know, whatever it is. Um, But that's hard for people to do. So, okay, I get it. It's hard for people to do. Moving on. Yeah. (laughs) So do you have any sort of morning routine or morning practice that kind of gets you in a good headspace to start your day? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You are the first person to say no. Everybody's been like, here, let me outline my morning practice for you. No, my my morning is um, I have two teenagers. So I get up, I hit the ground, just, you know, full tilt. I... I shower, I dress, I make them breakfast, I remind them several times that they need to leave on time so they get to school <laughs> on time. They both they both bike and they're teenagers. They are fully capable of looking at the clock, but somehow they forget at unpredictable times. And um, then when the house is gone, I just make myself a tea and I sit down at my computer and I just go. And it's kind of funny because in my world of leadership coaching and positive psychology and organizational development, like I know all the things I should be doing, but I'm not a very good meditator. I don't do yoga. I'm not very good at an exercise routine. I do eat healthy. I do drink lots of water. I do make sure I get good sleep. 2017 was my year of sleep. I really prioritized sleep and it was phenomenal. Mm. But those sorts of routines, um, you know, they're not really something that I have implemented for myself. And I found I just didn't need them. Um, That said, I have lots of clients who are interested in creating things like that. I help them create things like that. the other thing I'm just aware of is it's so individual. There is no one size fits all. So if you take, for example, I know a lot of people who do gratitude journals and you might've talked with some people who've done gratitude journals. And that's essentially where 
every evening you write down three things that you're grateful for that happened that day and why you're grateful for them. So it's a heartfelt experience that helps you to reflect. And the research around these things is very compelling. Most people who do them feel better. They notice the good things in life. Their well-being picks up. Their psychological resilience is stronger. Um, They sleep better. They have better relationships. You know, they're very, very powerful. Um, But it doesn't work for everybody. And the research on that is also really interesting. And so, yeah, I I say, you know, I've never really tried to implement a morning routine because I just don't need it to get going. I'm a very responsible person and I know what I need to be doing. So I don't need to ease into it. Now, it might all change once my kids go away to college and I don't have that routine, which I've been doing for, you know, 10 or more years. Um, I might end up creating a new one then. Who knows? I'll I'll see when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. You're so honest. I think most people, I mean, I think everybody said like, yes, I have a morning routine, but I wonder if they all actually do it every day. <laughs> even I, I do have a routine, but I don't do the same thing every day because sometimes you're tired or sometimes you have a headache or, you know, whatever. I'm not going to always do the same thing every day. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting. I love that. If, if something's not working for you and you want to make a change, awesome. Go and do it. But if it's working well enough, then, you know, you got to pick your battles, even with yourself, right? Like, for me, the big thing, like I said, in 2017 was my year of sleep. I was tired all the time. I was yawning through every afternoon. I mean, it was quite I was worried I was coming across as rude because I just looked tired all the time. And what I noticed is that when my kids were little, they would go to bed at kind of like 7, 7 38. Mm-hmm. And then I would have a couple of hours of working time after they went to bed. And that was great. I was still getting to bed at 10 or 10 30. But then as they got older, they're going to bed at 8 30, 9. 9.30, now it's closer to 10, and they're teenagers. They would stay up much later if I let them. I was still trying to get two hours of work done after they went to bed. So now I'm going to bed at 11, 11.30, midnight, sometimes later. I couldn't do that anymore. So that's when I started to change some of those things that were really important to me. And one of the things I did is I told my teenagers that I was off duty after 9.30, If they needed anything from me, they would have to tell me by 9.30. Kitchen closed at 9. I am off duty at (laughs) 9.30. Then I'm looking after myself so I can go to bed at 10.30. It made a world of difference. So that was a routine that I became aware of. This isn't working for me anymore. Things had changed. I needed to make a change. I initiated it. I involved other people as my support group, my kids, and... Now I'm feeling much better. So when something's not working, yeah, you absolutely want to change things up. Yeah. Sleep is so important. I, my husband makes fun of me because I have a whole routine where I like get ready for bed and I wash my face and, you know, I take all my like supplements and then I read and then I go to bed by like 10 o'clock and he's like, you're such an old lady. And I'm like, no, I just really prioritize sleep. I know that I'm mean if I don't get sleep. I'm not at my best if I don't get sleep. Like, 
don't make fun of my sleep, man. Like, <laughs> Sleep is so fundamental at a biological level, at a psychological level. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with being an old lady because old ladies are going to take over the world and it's going to be so much better when they do. <laughs> I've always said I have an old soul. So I'm, I'm 34. And so I'm not old, but I feel like I'm partially a grandma. Like I'm like, I'll just stay home and drink my tea and like go to bed at 9.30 and like, I, I'm not out partying, so, you know. I think that's so awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe it's because I'm an introvert, and, you know, that, that might be part of it. I do. I love connecting with people. I love, you know, going out with friends, but I also really prioritize my time by myself. Um, that's how I get yeah. energy. And my sleep and time reading and time alone with my husband and all that. So, you know, find whatever feels good, people. Don't let people make fun of you like my husband. Exactly. <laughs> or just learn to laugh at yourself at the same time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but that self-awareness that you're speaking about is critical to everything. You know, like self-aware that what I'm doing is working and so I'm going to keep doing it or that it's been working for 10 years and now it's not. So I need to change it. Or I've always struggled with this component of my life. I need to change some things up. Here are my strengths. Here are my weaknesses. It's okay to use the word weaknesses, you know, and here's what I'm working on and here's what I want to change. Like we're never done. We're never fully baked. We're, mm. we're always, and life circumstances change. And so, yeah, like just... There's this whole field of self-compassion, you know, give yourself a hug and move on, do something about it or don't, but, you know, just be aware and move on. Yeah, I love that. One of uh, my best friends told me one day that she started treating herself like a small child. Mm. So if she needs a nap, she's going to go take a nap. If she needs a snack, she's going to go eat a snack. Like treating herself like a three-year-old, caring for herself like she would a small child. And I was like, I love that. Like, we all need that. We need to think, we, especially as women, take so much of our time taking care of our family and our friends and our clients. And sometimes we neglect ourselves. We neglect sleep. We neglect food like sometimes I'm so busy that I'm like oh I didn't eat lunch like I forgot like you just you need to take care of yourself and I feel like I preach that to clients all the time and they're like okay yeah and then they don't do it (laughs) it is so hard that's another routine that's another practice um Yeah, so many thoughts about that. Because, of course, everybody knows the oxygen mask thing, right? Put Mm -hmm. your own oxygen mask on first. And the way I've started um, expressing that to a lot of my female clients, because a lot of them are leaders. They have very high-pressured jobs. They have families. They want to be social. They want to do good in their community. They want to have a good relationship with their husband, you know, on and on. Like they've got a lot of things that they are prioritizing that are important to them. And self-care doesn't always fit in there. And I, I actually am not a fan of the phrase self-care because I think it's come to mean, you know, spas and facials. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, sometimes doing the dishes is self care because then you have a clean kitchen and that feels good to you and that is self-care so I think we need to broaden that definition but this whole notion that 
the way I've started explaining it to my female leader clients is that you need to be good to you so that you can look after other people when they need it. Because we want to be there for other people. But if you are depleted, then you can't rise to the occasion when somebody calls you and says, hey, can we talk? Or you Mm -hmm. discover that your mom just went into the hospital or, you know, somebody needs you a world away. So take the time when things are good to look after you so that when things are not good, you can look after other people. And that has resonated with a lot of the people I work with. Mm, Yeah, that is absolutely so true. It's been very true for me. So one last question before we wrap up. If you could give one piece of advice to a woman, both either personal or business, um, who's starting a business or thinking about doing that, what would you tell her? Oh, only one thing. All right. Um, I would say call me so I can tell you more than one thing. (laughs) I, I think... What's really important about starting a business is, this is going to sound very cliche, but you know, know your meaning, know your purpose, know your why, what's important about this, what is it that you really stand for in starting this business, and then do that, you know, do it unapologetically, because a lot of women, especially when they're starting out in their businesses, they feel like they have to be all things to all people. Mm, And, you know, like you were saying earlier about criticism, criticism is hard, and it's harsh. And we all have these nasty, nasty, inner critics or demons that are just ready to pounce all over our fragile little egos. Mm. And just stand tall in what it is that you're doing. And, um, you know, sure, listen to the criticism, but listen in a very detached way, because there could be some learning in there. Um, But don't let the turkeys bring you down. Yeah, I say take everything with a grain of salt, because, yeah, you can learn something from it. But also, some people are just hateful. And yeah. Yeah. In my field of positive psychology, there are a couple of trolls who just seem to be ready to pounce on anything that, you know, anybody's book or anybody's podcast or anybody's blog or anybody's article or new fields that are emerging. And they're yeah. just sitting there under some fake pseudonym to write some really nasty Amazon review of whatever it is. And after a while, you just kind of go, you know what? I'm just blocking that email address and that says more about them than it does about me. And maybe you read the first one or two things you think, yeah, maybe there's something in there, but you know, you have to take a stand and there's some sort of meme that goes around every now and then that says, have you made enemies? Good. It means you've stood up for something and you just, you just learn how to roll with it. It's not necessarily an easy lesson to learn. Um, I know it takes a long time in my own experience, but I think as you get more comfortable in your business and more comfortable with yourself, you get more comfortable with just letting the trolls be trolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's been my experience. I actually, I wrote a Facebook post in a group that got a lot of engagement, a lot of comments, and I had a couple of trolls or haters comments on it. And I took a screenshot and sent it to my business coach. And she said, this is all I've ever wanted for you. She was like, I'm so happy. She was like, you triggered somebody. That means you're doing it right. (laughs) That's brilliant. I love that. You have a good business coach. Yeah. 
So and all I did was share from my heart and somehow that triggered some people. And yeah, so I guess I've made it. I'm officially famous or internet famous or whatever <laughs> if someone if someone is uh, trolling me. So Yeah, you got that t shirt. Well done. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on here, Lisa. Um, could you share where people could find you online if they want to connect with you after this? Yeah. So I exist on LinkedIn, um, Lisa Sansom, S-A-N, like Nancy, S-O-M, like Mary. My company is LVS Consulting, and so that exists at lvsconsulting.com. I exist on Facebook, and quite honestly, if you Google Lisa Sansom and positive psychology, my name will pop up in there. There are not a lot of us in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun, and I hope that everybody enjoys this conversation as much as I did. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk with you. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah. All right, guys. Until next time. Thanks. Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.